The Prevention and Early Intervention Network is pleased to bring to you our podcast series, Perspectives on Prevention. My name is Marion Quinn, and in this podcast, I'll be meeting people who have experiences to share, insights to explore, and expertise to draw on from the field of child and family services. We hope these conversations inspire, challenge, and engage anyone interested in improving outcomes for children, families, and communities. Today's guest is Shannon Baker, originally from Darndale on Dublin's north side. Shannon shares her experience as a youth leader in her community and reflects on some of the support she had growing up that influenced her in making positive life choices. Kulak has like the highest or one of the highest unemployment rates and one of the lowest progression toward level education in the country. So it was very normal for me growing up to see people just, you know, leave school. I think the Chandra kind of gave me something. Oh my God, I could do something different. Like That's all coming up in this episode of Perspectives on Prevention. I'm delighted, Shannon, to be chatting with you today as part of our Perspectives on Prevention podcast series. Thanks for giving us the time. And, um, and so, so maybe just we might start with kind of tell us where you're from and a bit about growing up and, and, and a bit about who you are. Shannon, just to kind of kick us off. Yeah, so um, I'm Shannon. <laughs> I'm Tordy. Um, I grew up in Belcamp Avenue, which is in um, Coolock. So some people say it's in Darndale, some people say it's in Coolock, but, you know, it's all the one. Um, grew up there um, for... I lived there for the first 26 years of my life, actually never really lived anywhere else up until I was about 26. I went to school in Darndale. All my friends are kind of from the area. One of 10 children, so quite a big family. I'm the eighth, so there's two two, two after me. Yeah, that's great maths. <laughs> yeah, quite a big family. Um, just went to school, got on quite normal. I was a normal child. I wasn't really like, you know, the smartest in the room, but I wasn't like... I didn't really need any extra like intervention for myself um but then I went to St John of God's in Kilmore which is closed now um and then I went to St Mary's in Clester so all kind of quite local schools all the way through primary school and through through secondary school I was part of the Challenger program so with the Northside Partnership and they kind of gave us like a little bit of extra support like they you know they gave us grinds if we needed them around exam times they gave us trips and stuff like that to go on you know because there wasn't really a lot of when I was growing up there wasn't a lot of services in the area obviously that's changing now and it has been changing for the past couple of you know couple of years but when I was growing up it was really you know a bit a lot of volunteer work really was done with the young people and I was very anxious child so I was very um I I didn't want to come across like I don't know, I got on my own head about certain things when I was growing up. And I think it was probably because I was I was part of such a big family, you know, always trying to find your place and stuff like that. And um, really important, well, for me. But I don't know, like the, the challenger was more academic for me. It was helping me get through school, I think, more than anything else. Okay. They don't like book clubs, which I really enjoyed. And um, so we'd read a book and we'd go back, I think, the next week or the week after and we'd talk about the book and then we'd um, so that was really good. And then we done, they done outings, like they went to, you know, the regular outings you go to with youth clubs, like Clara Lara, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it, I suppose it was so long ago now, like thinking about it. I really, really, 
I don't want to sound ungrateful, but at the time, I don't think I appreciated exactly how good of a service it was. And um, mm. because I was so young, maybe, and also because, like, my older sister had done challenges, so I felt like it was just something that you do, like, everyone done. But I didn't realise at the time that actually not everybody got the opportunity to do it. So I, was, mm. I should have been more grateful. And as I grew up and as I got older, I did obviously start to appreciate a lot more mm. when I was forced starting. But thinking now, I mean, what being part of Challenger make a difference for you, do you think? In terms of kind of your education and enjoying school or what difference did it make? I think it made a difference for me in just seeing something else, if that makes sense. Because I don't know if you know, but Kulak has like the highest or one of the highest unemployment rates and one of the lowest progression toward level education in the country. So it was very normal for me growing up to see people just, you know, leave school. Like most of my older brothers and sisters left school and got jobs and, you know, had kids and, you know, and they're very happy. Like it's great for them. But I think the Chandra kind of gave me something like something else to just look at, like, to, to say, oh, my God, I could do something different. Like, and it's not good or bad. It's just different. And I and I really do appreciate getting that from the Chandra program. When would you have been become conscious of kind of a world outside Kulak and a world beyond, you know, finishing school early and getting a job. Do you remember kind of thing, you know, at the, the age you were at when you started thinking there's more out there, I might be interested in doing something different? I knew that I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. And I got very caught up in a way in where I was like, I, you know, I was, I was quite young when I finished school. I was 16 or 17 when I finished my leaving cert. And um, so I kind of was more focused on getting into college rather than what it was that I wanted to do. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I went straight into social care, actually, straight out of, out of school. And with the help of the Tantra program, I got into the access program. And I was like, I just, I was there for about, I think, six months seven months and I had taken a placement in an old folks home and I really didn't enjoy it like it was sad I wasn't I, I wasn't fully trained so I wasn't allowed to touch any of the older people that were working there and there was a lot of um people there that had no family you know and, oh, I remember this one woman all she wanted was a hug every time I went in I went in every single Wednesday and every Wednesday she asked me a hug and I had to say no to her every Wednesday oh, no. even now it's even now it's yeah. awful like think yeah. about it in the end, I was like, I can't do this. This, this can't be for me. Like, I, I, I thought I was too soft. I was like, I can't work with people. I need to get, I need to do something else. So I actually dropped out of college the first time around. Mm. And I was very disappointed in myself because I had built up such, you know, a dream in my head to go to college and do something, you know, besides what I had seen, you know, other people around me doing. And I was so, I really just wanted to do it. And then in the end, I figured out, no, actually, I don't want to do this. So I dropped out and then I had no idea what I was doing. I was just working in a bar. I was just, you know, kind of going with the flow, like moving through the motions. You know, I was still living at home, you know, and, and it was nothing really out of the ordinary because everyone my age was kind of doing similar things. I had friends that were in college, but I also had friends that weren't. So it, didn't, it shouldn't have really bothered me that much, but it, it kind of did. And then one day I got this phone call from um, a girl, but she... Um, worked for the North Apprenticeship at the time or she was working with the North Apprenticeship at the time she was like Shannon you know how would you feel about youth leadership and at, at the time Marion I was like no <laughs> I was like I don't want to be a youth leader I don't know anything about it I you know I'm not I'm not exactly 
a leader of any kind at the time. And I was, I was just kind of set against it. And she was like, tell you what, give it a shot. And I was like, I kind of want to be an event manager. Like I had it in my head. I wanted to be an event manager. I wanted to plan parties for people. So she was like, look, it's, it's part-time. You only do it like on a, on a, a Monday or a Wednesday, come down in the evening, have a chat with us. And I was like, okay. So she talked me into it. I went down, me and my sister, actually both of us went down and um, signed up for the first year and mm-hmm. done steps. The first 12 weeks was steps and blew my mind blew my mind like I couldn't believe why what was what was what why, what blew your mind about it just the well obviously steps to personal development but also in my head I thought youth leadership was just I don't know something that like extraordinary people do I don't know I just thought it was like so far on my reach around my grass or something that I just couldn't do and then when I when I started in the course and I started doing the the weekly training and I got to know more people and I realized like I don't know something just clicked with me I just kind of felt like I found like my people I don't know it was weird like wow. I done the, the personal development um steps and then I stayed on but because like I said I wanted to be an event manager I had also signed up to do a course in um, Dublin Business School to do event management and I think again it was one of them things where I was just clutching at I wanted a degree I wanted a degree I'd put so much pressure on myself to have qualifications that I really just wanted it. I don't know why. And I still don't know why. Um, I really wanted the, any sort of qualification. Like I felt like, you know, I had nothing else really to offer if I didn't have one, which sounds really weird. At the time, I didn't feel like it was as sad as it sounds, but it does kind of sound sad now that I'm saying mm-hmm. it. But I, I, so I dropped out of YCL the first time around because it clashed with Dublin Business School, but my sister continued on and she, and she finished. But, you know, Carol wasn't letting me go that easy. So she she recruited me again for the second year and it was a pilot program. So the first year I did it was the first year it was ever ran. And then the second year I did it was kind of a little bit smoother. I think they had ironed out some kinks or whatever. And I went in again and, you know, Adrian was there and Jackie was there. And I was I was just loving it. And I was like, I shouldn't have dropped out the first time. I had my qualification by the time I went the second time. I had my qualification in event management. Well, I never done anything with it. I just got it. <laughs> and I had it and I was like, cool, I have it. I have a qualification now. What? And then when and I did how, how did it, that feel, Shannon? Sorry, just but you said that the having a qualification was really important to you. You were kind of just really focused on getting that. So once you got it, what was that like? It was kind of like bittersweet in a way, because I had it and I was like, finally, I have something, you know. But then I also like I didn't do anything with it, so it was I mean, it helped me in YCL because we planned events in YCL, but it didn't really do much outside of that for me. But mm. it was still a good experience. I mean, I got a good good experience of what, you know, third level education is and, uh, and what it looks like and all that kind of stuff. I decided after that that I was going to wait a little longer. You know, I've done little courses, obviously. I just like being, I don't know, a bit of a nerd, I think. I've done other courses, like I've done a beautician course because my sister was a beautician and I was like oh I want to do that too so I went and done that and I done a business admin course as well no idea why just done them mm. YCL was the only one that really stuck in my head because mm. when you do YCL you get a, you do steps obviously you do restorative practices which we don't with CDI and then you do Albert Schweitzer I can't pronounce it it's just called the leadership for life program now I think by Faroge so there's three different elements to it and it's it's it kind of builds they build on each other and just gave me a lot more confidence in myself really mm. the main thing that I learned through YCL was that it doesn't really matter where you come from 
So, you know the way I mentioned that I was working in a pub? I, the pub I was working in was on the south side and I worked in this pub for eight years. Like I kept it up um, even while I was, you know, doing young community leaders and while I was doing young community innovators and all the other work I was doing. And I had learned from doing that job that, you know, it wasn't correct, but it was what I knew in my head at the time. And my truth at the time was that, you know, Kulak was a bad place, that people who come from Kulak are regarded as bad people to the point where we, do, we used to get taxis home and we used to have to tell the taxi men like that we were going somewhere else. <laughs> we were like, we're going to Malahide so that they would bring us close to where we live mm. um, because they wouldn't take us if we said we were going to Darndale or if we were going to Belcamp. So being part of young community leaders really taught me that actually, well, no, I am, I am good and people from my area are good. I mean, I knew that people from the area were good anyway, but it gave me more confidence to say it out loud. And pride, um, does it give you any, have you a sense of pride in your community and where you're from, Shannon? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. I think, I think Darnell has a great sense of community anyway. Like, I think that even before I had worked with YCL and before any of that stuff, it was a big thing. We had a big sense of community. You know, I was part of the, the local dancing. It's a thing I can't really explain. You know, people in Darndale, Belcamp, people in Kulak, they kind of rally for each other if something happens. Mm. You know, like if someone passes away, there's usually a collection, you know, it's, it, all that kind of stuff. It is, it is, it has got a good sense of community. People kind of stand mm. by each other. Um, and looking and out just, for each other. It sounds like people look out for you. Yeah. 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 And mm. I just felt like I kind of lost that for a bit in between. Um, I lost that sense of pride and being part of YCL and doing the work that we were doing, I kind of started getting it back. So I ended up actually volunteering for the local, local youth club after that. And I loved that. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Spirit 17. Loved it. I was a part of their board of directors force. And I was also part on the board of directors for the local CTC. And as you know, I was on the, the research practices board with yourself. I was just getting all this different kind of um, experience from different levels that I had never really got before and I also wouldn't have had the opportunity without YCL because that's mm. how I was recruited onto these boards was people were going yeah. to Carol or they were going to Adrian and they were saying oh how do you feel about a person coming on for this and they'd say oh yeah Shannon's great for that and they'd send me or you know if it was another opportunity they'd send someone else so I got a lot of experience in my own community but from completely different perspective and then I ended up applying for a job with the, the youth club so I worked with them for about a year as a coordinator we ran a, a project called the Young Mappers Project. And, and Shannon, actually, how, how old were you when you were doing that? I mean, you can't have been much older than the young people. Well, yeah, I think I think that's that was always a weird thing for me, actually. A lot of times when I was working with young people, I was only like two or three years older than them. 25, I think, at the time. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, 25. And the participants on the programme were what age? I think the youngest we had was 17 and the eldest we had was 23 being just you know so close in age to the participants was that kind of a of benefit was it sometimes a, a difficulty what what was that like I think it was a bit of both I mean we had a really good progression rate anyway we ended up having like 90 or, or 100% progression rate from that program but that was completely down to the young people and not me I'm sure well, they would argue differently <laughs> they probably would they probably would, but I want to say we, that what I mean was that they were great young people and they were hmm. really motivated and really, really good. But I think it was it was a bit of both. It, it could have been a hinder in ways that, you know, someone who's 23 and I'm only 25 and I'm like, oh, I think maybe you should do this or let's try this. They'd be like, well, who do you think you are? You're only two hmm. years older than me. And I expected that a lot more than it actually happened. 
Whereas I think in reality, they, they were happy for me to be around their age because I think it's just better than having someone who's like 50 years older than you telling you. Yeah. I think having yeah. young people's voices in the community is really important. Mm. That's what YCL were doing. They were kind of filling that, bridging that gap. You know, on mm-hmm. a lot of them boards, when I sat on a lot of them boards, I was the youngest person, sometimes by 20, 20 years. So Shannon, tell us then, you, you left Ireland for a bit, so just bring us up to speed with what, what you've done and, and how that happened. Yeah, so when I was doing the, the, when I was working in the youth club in Space 17, the more I worked with young people, because I, I was also working as a, a youth worker with their general drop-ins and stuff like that as well, the more I worked with young people, the more I realised I could probably help them in ways that I wasn't able to help them at the time. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of crime in the area. There's a lot of death in the area. You know, people, young people pass away. Suicide rates are high, all that kind of stuff. And we had lost a couple of young people while I was working there. Now, not me directly. I wasn't working with them directly, but the youth club and the community had lost a few young people. It was really hard. And Street 17 are a really unique youth club in that they have an in-house counselling service in liaison with the Northside Council Service and I really was just really intrigued by it so I wanted to get first of all I wanted to get a youth work qualification I had the, the youth and community level six that you get from YCL but I didn't have any more than that and I wanted to continue working in the same area so I looked into it but then I also wanted a, a, a counselling qualification so I ended up because I dropped out of college the first time round, I wasn't entitled to any of the grants any of the you know, the, the community grants, all that kind of stuff that I had got the first time around. And, you know, I come from a huge family in a, in a you know, low-income area. There was no chance I was going to be able to afford to go to college. So I ended up going to England and went to the University of Derby and got a level A in counselling. So counselling and psychotherapy. So, yeah, really happy with that. It's incredible. Well done. It was. It was such an uh, experience as well because I didn't know anybody in Derby. I just kind of got on the it was hard and to what leave, was that though. like? What was that like? I mean, you were so you were twenty six, leaving leaving home for the first time, going to somewhere that you'd never been to before, didn't know anyone. What was what was that like? It was scary. <laughs> I won't lie, I won't sugarcoat. It was scary, but it was probably the best thing I've ever done for myself, for my personal growth, anyway, but also for you know professional growth too. It was scary. I didn't know anybody, not one person, but I knew I'd been a I'd been a a bartender on the side for so long I knew it would be easy for me to get a job and it was you know I got I got a job in a pub within two weeks the only downside to me being in England was that I wasn't as involved in community work and I really missed that side of it right yeah and I just found it hard to get into in England for some reason Mm. I I just found it hard interestingly enough talking of early early intervention I done my um dissertation on what it was like to grow up in a in a high crime area so I don't know uh, from my perspective but it, it brought me to dark places sometimes and it brought me back and there was like stories in my dissertation that I would write and I would think they're not that big of a deal like I don't know I don't know how much I can say in a podcast but like one of the stories was you know, when I was about seven I went to a local shop I won't say which shop but I went to a local shop and I got held up and there was you know lads with guns running in and out and I was terrified but it became like a joke in the area, like, oh, did it hurt? like it got it got held up or whatever. And it became like a joke within within the family and all that kind of stuff. And just really desensitized to that kind of thing. Um, um which can happen, obviously, growing up in the area we grow up in, which is a shame. But it's like a coping skill that you that you just learn as you grow in that kind of area. 
and I had that in my dissertation and my dissertation supervisor was like Shannon this isn't normal like normal people don't like don't do this and I was like well it's normal for me I was like that's normal for me that's normal for people in my area it's like it's just mm. stuff that we go through and I was like and that's actually quite a small story it's just mm. something I put in to to kind of show I suppose to to show what it was like to grow up in a, in a high crime area and you know like you can't expect no crimes to be committed in a high crime rate area. And so what, what did you conclude in your thesis about, you know, what, what changes should we make or could we make or what would what could we do to make things better for children and young people growing up in, in areas where they're going to be exposed to really difficult things like shop being held up? First of all, a shop being held up is probably not the worst thing that young people are going to are gonna face. You know, like I've said, suicide rates are high. You know, crime, you know, death by murder is high. I don't know how to say that in any other way, but it, it these things happen, okay? Mm. And I think that the attitude towards police is terrible in the area, but also the police's attitude towards young people in the area is not great either. So that relationship needs to be somehow magically fixed in order for people to trust the police, I suppose, in a way. You know, it's probably, is thanks to Swiss and it's probably... The trust has probably built up a lot more than what it used to be, especially when I was growing up. And I thought, sure, why not do a master's? <laughs> so I, so I'm, I just finished my first year, actually. So I was really proud of myself. I never thought I'd do a master's, you know. It was never even, it was never even like in my vision. You know, when you have a vision of what your future is, mine was never to do a master's. But I think the more, it's, it's like a catch-22, isn't it? The more you know, the more you realise you don't know. I have this like thing for education where I just feel like I constantly need to learn some things mm -hmm. and I like relaying what I've learned as well and um, so hopefully you know something good comes of it but it's really helping me anyway. And Shannon just to sort of to, to sort of wrap things up a little bit I mean you've described this drive that you have for education so you were determined for a long time you were going to get that qualification um, even though you didn't know what it was but you wanted yeah. a qualification and then you kind of worked out you know that you what the qualification was what the focus was and you were so determined to do that that you did it without any money you went to a country where you knew no one and to a place where you knew no one and now you know you're doing a master's which wasn't something you had anticipated doing so what where does all of that come from and who helped you on that journey? What are the key, if you could identify a couple of key things, uh, you know, moments, people, whatever that happened along the journey, what's helped you to get where you are, do you think? Yeah, a couple of different things, really. Community-wise, I feel like the North Apprenticeship were my one constant throughout school and throughout college. Um, you know, different aspects of the partnership, but definitely the partnership in general. They just do great work. I just, I feel like a little fangirl. Like, they just do great work in the area. And I'm always telling people to go to the North Apprenticeship. You know, you'd be surprised what, what kind of opportunities that they can help you. And then personally, my family were a huge support for me. My my sister, Mairead, especially. You know, you've met Mairead. She's, she's yeah, worked on, yeah. on quite a few things with me. Yeah. Um, she's just great for pushing you forward. She's just kind of like... And she's that kind of person where if I'm... if I Because I, I can be a bit dramatic. I don't know if you know this, Marion. No, I've never noticed that. <laughs> great. No, no, I didn't no, know that. You might have yeah. seen it on Facebook. I can get a bit dramatic. <laughs> Mairead's that kind of person that brings me back down. And she says, well, hold on a minute. What is the, what is the end goal here? What are you trying to achieve? And then I'm like, okay, right, I know what I need to do. And then I'll go and do it. And, you know, she's just that sounding board for me. 
both professionally and personally I can go to her kind of anything so it's Brilliant. just a benefit that she's also my sister she's also my friend and kind of like my, my whole family are really close like that to be honest like we're a really mm-hmm. open family we, we have no no problems really telling each other things and talking about things which is probably unusual for such a large family but we kind of right. all live in each other's space I know I live in Galway but we still kind of live in each other's space like I'm home a lot <laughs> so yeah, yeah really really happy to have that kind of support and then just right. YCL again and Adrian I don't know if you know I don't know if I've even mentioned Adrian throughout this but Adrian's a great source of of help for me she's mm. helped me through nearly everything every time I have a mental breakdown of some sort that mm. I can't you know figure out straight away I'm ringing Adrian I'm like Adrian tell me what's going on tell me how to fix it and she's like well I can't well you mm. tell me how you're gonna fix it and then I'm like oh okay so then I sit and I try and figure it out and I have to relay it back to Adrian so she's great at making me think about things and giving yeah. you the confidence that you I mean knowing you have the answers yeah you don't, yeah that you can work you can work it out for yourself yeah yeah Fantastic. that's that's a big thing that I didn't always have and I will definitely attribute that to, to young community leaders was mm. me finally getting the the confidence not even not even that I didn't know I knew the answers but the confidence to say yeah well I do know the answers you know and, and actually I have something to say and it's quite important you know it is different um working with with people with autism is is different not any better not any worse um, but just different, completely different ballgame. But one thing I have noticed as I've gone through, and, it's, and it is a well-known statistic to be fair, but something that I was not fully aware of going into this job, girls don't get diagnosed with autism very early, and boys do. Boys generally are, are, are diagnosed around three, four years of age sometimes, whereas girls can be left until they're you know, in their 30s and 40s sometimes to be diagnosed because of the the characteristics around autism were designed for a boy with a boy in mind. The guy who who basically, so a lot of times girls will mask, they'll do this thing called masking, where they'll notice what other people are doing, they'll notice how they're acting, how they're behaving, and they'll they'll mimic that and they'll mask okay. their autistic traits. And um, so they won't get diagnosed a lot, a lot earlier. So I will say wow. that that's one thing that probably needs to be worked on. The supports could be put in place a lot earlier. Any final words of wisdom, you know, for anybody who's working with young people or thinking about working with young people or anybody who's 15 in an area with high crime levels and high unemployment, you know, that's listening to any of those people? The one thing I'll say, well, two things. One thing for, for people working in the area is listen to young people. They sometimes know what they're talking about. I think a lot of times young people are discriminated against just for the fact that they're young. Not good, not bad, just kind of like a lack of life experience sometimes. Mm. Whereas I feel like I had a lot of life experience. It was actually the qualifications that didn't match mm. just from growing up the way I grew up. And, and similarly for other people my age and, and growing up where I grew up. Listen to young people and have patience. Um, is a big one. I'm always told I have too much, not too much, but I have a lot of patience and I, f- I feel like it's normal for me to have patience with young people, but other people I've noticed have not got a lot of patience. That's one thing. And then for people who are living in areas like where I grew up or, or similar areas, there's a lot of reasons why someone wouldn't want to go to college and that's fine. That's, you know, their, their, their life and, and they can do what they want. But I will say that if it is something that you want to do and there are services out there that can help you move on and move forward, just you just have to kind of go and ask them. Sometimes the hardest part is just going into a service and saying, here, look, I want to, 
I want to change a little bit about myself or I want to, you know, learn a bit more about myself. And, and that can be a bit difficult, especially mm. when, you're, when you're growing up in a culture where everyone is seen to be the same. Not the same, but like seen to be similar. You know, like it, it can be hard and it, and, and it can be scary to step outside your comfort zone. And I feel mm. like comfort zones is like the biggest learning that I've had all this time is that you don't grow in your comfort zone. You don't learn anything new in your comfort zone. So step aside it a little bit and just just learn a bit more about yourself, experience the world a bit more, and you'll realise it's great. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Prevention, the podcast series created by the Prevention and Early Intervention Network. We hope these conversations inspire, affirm and excite you. To find out more, check out our website at www.peen.ie.